，享受工作，乐生活。就算不在办公室，也能从容应对线上会议。HP Dragonfly 透过专业的 HP Presence 设计，内建降噪及会议快速键，搭配清晰的 Ben and Offson 音效，增强音讯及视讯功能。HP Dragonfly 顶级商务笔电，采用 Windows 11专业版。让您在会议中享有最佳的视觉和听觉品质。The Lunar New Year will be happening earlier than usual in 2023, and many companies are already preparing to hold their annual banquets. Wistron and Compal, as well as Fubang Financial, say they'll be holding their employee banquets in January. Over in the food sector, Wild Prime says it will be splitting its banquets into five different events. Other companies say they are holding off on large-scale events amid COVID concerns. One of them is computer company Asus, which will offer a bonus of 10,000 NT to employees instead. Yulong Group will have each of its companies make its own arrangements. Over at Taishin Holdings, Mega Holdings, and Cathay Financial Holdings, whether to hold a banquet or not will be left up to each department. Professional and amateur mountaineers have put their climbing skills to the service of Taiwan forests. The group from Tsiji University teamed up with the Forestry Bureau on a garbage cleanup in Hualien. But to get to where the garbage was dumped, they have to upsail off a 20-meter-high bridge led by professional climber Zhan Chaoyu. They managed to get 1.5 tons of waste out of the forest. Students gradually descend almost 20 meters to the ground and begin to collect garbage. They collect many bags of waste, and there's an astonishing array of weird and wonderful objects: a urinal full of dirt and leaves, a weathered human statue. On Sunday, students from Tsuji University and staff from Hualien Forest Bureau came together to this spot 27 kilometers along Provincial Highway 193. The group of more than 20 managed to remove 1.5 tons of waste from the forest. We come here twice a year, especially to this kind of place where you need ropes to get down. They know how to do it, and they want to give back to society, so they come and help us with cleaning up the mountain. Not everyone can abseil off a bridge like this. The students are personally instructed by a professional mountain climber before they descend. Zhan Xiaoyu was the second Taiwanese woman to successfully climb Mount Everest. She's also a volunteer firefighter. In last year, she launched the Central Mountain Range Cleanup Scheme. There were about 206 kilograms of waste that we carried on our backs, and apart from that, we asked the Forestry Bureau to help clean up the industrial waste, and there were more than 200 kilograms of that. This waste wasn't dropped by normal visitors. Lots of it is household waste. We saw tables and tiles. Students and organizations come together every few months to help clear up the Central Mountain Range. Who knew you could get the best workout while helping restore Taiwan's forests back to its natural magnificence? Doctors and patients are campaigning to get more public funding for treatments for head and neck cancer. Taiwan has the highest rate of head and neck cancer in the world, but many patients are not diagnosed until the cancer is at a late stage. That makes treatment much harder, and the treatment with the best outcomes, immunotherapy, is expensive. Most people are not eligible to get national health insurance to cover immunotherapy. These campaigners say that should change. 
Mr. He is in his 60s and has four-stage hypopharyngeal cancer. He's received proton therapy and chemotherapy. The side effects of those treatments are tough, as is dealing with relapses and metastasis. The cancer only came under control when he came across immunotherapy. I have had some immune dysfunctions in my skin, such as psoriasis, but that's all. There are no other side effects. The latest research has found that immunotherapy is quite effective for head and neck cancers. Compared to the traditional chemotherapy and targeted therapy of the past, it has somewhat better results. But immunotherapy fees can cost millions of NT dollars a year. The average patient can't afford that. If you want to get national health insurance to cover it, immunotherapy is a Category 2 treatment with many restrictions on eligibility. As many as 70% of patients who might want immunotherapy are not eligible for it on NHI. We're calling on the government to bring the agents used in immunotherapy into NHI coverage to help patients with head and neck cancers to get some financial relief. We're calling on the NHI administration to overcome the barriers to coverage and provide this treatment as soon as possible so they can have better treatment sooner. Statistics show that more than 10,000 people in Taiwan have had head or neck cancer. Some 8,000 people develop head or neck cancer every year. Patients and doctors are campaigning for insurance to expand and give people support when they need it most. Indigenous languages are gradually appearing more in public life. The Council of Indigenous Peoples is taking the lead, putting indigenous languages on signs at the council office. Staff can also choose which languages they want to use on their ID badges. In total, 16 indigenous languages are now featured in the office. All the signs for departments in the Council of Indigenous Peoples have a new look. They've now got Atayal and Mandarin language directions side by side. This small meeting room has the Kanakanabu language on its sign. The labels for floors in the elevator include the Sakizaya language. The council is implementing the national languages policy in its own office, with 16 indigenous languages now featured on signs in the building. In the past, what you would see at the Council of Indigenous Peoples was languages transliterated with English-style spelling, but now over here we're using transliteration from the Amis language. And the ID badges on lanyards have changed too. Members of staff can choose which language they want on their badge and use their indigenous name. This name badge communicates my professional position. I'm very grateful to the council for thinking of me. We should construct an inclusive language environment and remind people not to forget what their Amis name is or what their Bunan name is. This is a very important goal for us to promote. Currently, there are similar renovations underway at 20 district offices in areas with indigenous populations. Small changes like this can gradually introduce more people to the beauty of indigenous languages. With less than a week before Taiwanese return home to hit the polls Saturday, the TRA and THSR have added trains to their routes to meet the soaring demand. High-speed rail tickets for trains heading from Taipei to Kaohsiung have nearly sold out for services between 3 p.m. and 10.30 p.m. on Friday. Meanwhile, forecasters say that despite three days of heavy rain expected starting Wednesday, rainfall should start to ease up by Saturday in time for elections. 
The DPP's Taizong mayoral candidate Tsai Chi-chang on Monday offered some context to comments made by legislative speaker Yeo Shi-kun at a rally the night before. Yeo had said that electing the right candidate for the city could prevent an attack by China. Tsai's KMT rival Liu Xiaoyan responded to the comment on Monday, questioning whether a Tsai win would really produce such an effect. Tsai on Monday explained that it was a matter of giving the right message to Taiwan's Democratic partners in the upcoming election. On Monday morning, the DPP's mayoral candidate for Taichung, Tsai Chi-chang, headed to Shalu District. There, he took part in the inauguration ceremony for a local borough warden's campaign office, surrounded by cheers from supporters. On Sunday evening, Tsai had visited another coastal area, his hometown of Qingshui District, to hold a large rally. So in this election, we all have to work hard to pick the right candidate. If we do so, Taichung can prosper and make it so that Xi Jinping will never dare attack. At the rally, Legislative Speaker Yoshi Kun urged voters to pick the right candidate, but his words about boosting development in Taichung and preventing a Chinese attack immediately became political fodder. While campaigning on Monday morning, Tsai's political rival, the KMT's Liu Shouyan, had this to say. Is he that awesome? I respect the opinion of legislative speaker Yoshi Kun. This is the first election that Taiwan is holding amid the new U.S.-China paradigm and with so much support from international democracies. This election to some extent represents the will of the general public, so the whole world, and especially our democratic partners, are watching this election closely. So we hope that Taiwan can convey the right message. With election day approaching, exchanges between the two mayoral candidates are heating up. Unconventional career paths have blossomed in Taiwan in the last decade. More and more people are earning a living through work like online streaming. The category of unconventional includes freelance workers such as designers. And now, for the first time, official records show that more than 700,000 people in Taiwan are employed in such industries. Today, we meet a streamer to explore the pros and cons of the job. The light turns on and the music starts up. DJ Xu started off as a commercial performer. When COVID hit two years ago, she had to find a new way to work. I earn 60 to 80,000 NT a month. I belong in the category of the marathon streamers. My streams are usually at least three or four hours long. My time is quite flexible. You can arrange your own time slots and target audiences. DJ Xu's earnings from streaming audience donations rival the salaries of white-collar workers. The number of people in Taiwan in unconventional professions like this has surpassed 700,000 for the first time. But while earnings can fly high, the lack of income security can be a worry. It is definitely a less stable kind of income. At first, of course, you're a bit worried, especially about not having a pension. But for me, it's something I really want to do. When your life is starting, you're entering a new stage in life. In that situation, you don't have as many guarantees. You want to use some free time to upgrade your skills by learning a second language or some other skill. That's the only way to create guarantees for your future. This employment expert says that diversifying your skills is a great way to prepare for a potential career change in midlife. 
especially with inflation soaring so high. Proponents of unconventional careers say that taking a low salary and a pension for decades isn't for everyone. Some young people will always want to take a gamble on something different. Night market businesses are rejoicing over the return of international tourism to Taiwan. Business is gradually recovering at many night markets, say stall owners. At Taipei's Tonghua Market, stall owners are optimistic about profit growth. And at Ningxia Night Market, they're preparing to welcome tourists from Asian countries, including Japan and South Korea, with multilingual menus. Since the pandemic receded, stall owners at Tonghua Night Market say business has improved considerably. It's been pretty good ever since the summer vacation. Business is up about 20% or more. I've seen tourists from Hong Kong and Vietnam. The crowds and the footfall are gradually coming. The pandemic has eased now, too. Taiwan is open to international tourism again, so I think it's the right moment to try to carve out my territory. And business is equally good over at Ningxia Night Market. It's only 4 p.m., but this stall owner is already busy frying oyster omelets. The egg-fried rice was prepared earlier to save time when the crowds hit their peak. If tourists come to Taiwan, actually, uh, Ningxia Night Market's got it. I've been to night markets before myself. I think the probability that they'll come to Ningxia is a bit higher than Shirling Night Market. We've got Japanese, Koreans, and probably Southeast Asians. Scanning this QR code, customers can flip the menu in four languages Chinese, English, Japanese, or Korean. The Commercial District Business Association has been preparing well in advance to welcome international visitors back to the market. For the first wave, the majority of us are stall owners, so it's about introducing the stall owners and their products. Translation takes a bit of time, so we're still in the process of rolling it out and optimizing it. Right now, we think that on the weekends, we've bounced back to our pre-pandemic levels. The food and drink sector is gradually recovering. Business owners are pushing cashless payments. If you spend 250 NT with Easy Wallet at both Ningxia and Nanjitang night markets, you can get a 500 NT reward. With hope in sight, they're determined to get the industry back on track. With the gradual lifting of COVID restrictions in Taiwan, tourists are slowly returning to hot spots and diners are returning to eateries. But despite that, reports say that several established businesses have closed, even in business areas like Yongkang Street in Taipei. Let's hear from the head of a commercial association to learn why. Life has clearly returned to the commercial district. We've seen about 200,000 to 300,000 more people in one month. It's probably because rents have shot up considerably, so they'd rather pack up. Although crowds are large, they perhaps haven't reached the former size. There are a lot of labor problems in the food and drink industry. Perhaps landlords are raising rents and the shop wants to relocate somewhere else. The pandemic created new customer groups that use delivery services. It also created new products. For example, previously you'd also have to go to a restaurant to eat roast duck or shumai. But it turns out that deliveries of those things also do well. 
So traditional shops that stick to their original business model would discover that the market is no longer the same after COVID. Those that don't respond will be eliminated from the market. The expert says that after almost three years of COVID, the food and drink sector is no longer the same. He says businesses should be ready to start anew and figure out how to adapt to the changing landscape. Taiwan has detected its first case of the H5N1 avian influenza at a duck farm in Ilan. More than 5,000 ducks have been culled at the farm, which has reported several bird deaths since last week. Officials say they will conduct inspections at all duck farms within five kilometers of the location. They say the disease may have been brought over to Taiwan by migratory birds. Wearing full protective suits, animal health quarantine workers culled more than 5,000 ducks. This duck farm in Ilan's Ujie Township recently reported the deaths of several birds. A government inspection confirmed that these are the first cases of the avian influenza H5N1 subvariant in Taiwan. Over the past few years, most of the cases have been the H5N2 subvariant. This is the first time we've discovered the H5N1 subvariant in Taiwan. We are entering the winter season, which is a time when bird flu propagates. The duck farm has been disinfected to prevent the disease from spreading. Officials say that last month, several cases of H5N1 were reported in South Korea and Japan, saying that the disease could have been brought to Taiwan by migratory birds. All bird farms within five kilometers of the duck farm will be inspected for the disease. We call on farmers to make sure that they are following biosafety management measures. Over in the kitchen, a chef bastes a golden crispy roast duck and slices it as juices drip down, a mouth-watering sight. Elan is renowned for its cherry duck dishes, which are a favorite of diners. With disease so close to home, restaurants selling the local specialties say they are a bit uneasy. Of course we're concerned. We haven't had anything like this happen in Elan for years. It's quite shocking. Officials say they will focus on ducks first, stressing that sales of duck meat and eggs should not be affected, calling on businesses to not be overly worried. The executive yuan has submitted to lawmakers a proposed amendment which has been dubbed Taiwan's CHIPS Act. The amendment, which would add Article 10-2 to the Statute for Industrial Innovation, has been criticized for doing less for industry than similar acts in the U.S. and Europe. Economics Minister Wang Meihua on Monday addressed the concerns. The situation is different in each country. Some countries are putting a great deal of effort into building factories. Here in Taiwan, we already have that ecosystem in place, so we hope we can become even more advanced. In the future, there will be lots of developments in the semiconductor industry, with changes happening one after the other. Wang said the amendment will not be restricted to semiconductors and will also apply to 5G, electric vehicles, low-orbit satellites, and other technologies that meet the requirements. She said specific details will be revealed within the next two months. TSMC founder Morris Chang on Monday spoke at a press conference about his brief interaction with Chinese leader Xi Jinping at the APEC summit in Thailand, as well as the future of Taiwanese chips. Chang said he had the approval of President Tsai Ing-wen to speak with Xi, but was not instructed to do so. 
Meanwhile, Chang said there was great interest in Taiwanese chips, and the country would remain important to the industry supply chain. TSMC founder Morris Chang, who was the president's special envoy to APEC, held a press conference Monday at the presidential office. Speaking to reporters, Chang addressed rumors that his interaction at APEC with Chinese leader Xi Jinping was orchestrated by the government. I congratulated him on his successes at the CCP's 12th National Congress. That was an expression of my own opinion, mine personally. The presidential office previously said to me that I could speak with them, that if the opportunity came up, there was no need to avoid interaction, no need to avoid meeting with or acknowledging him. That was all they said to me about it. The presidential office has said it respects Chang's decision to meet with Xi. Chang said Taiwanese semiconductors received a lot of attention at the APEC meeting, and he did not subscribe to speculation that the global supply chain was going to wean itself off of Taiwanese chips. Lots of people are jealous, jealous that Taiwan does so well with the manufacture of semiconductors. During the APEC meeting this year, I had lots of representatives ask me if I would manufacture chips in their countries. Chang's next scheduled trip will be to the U.S. to attend an event marking receipt of equipment at TSMC's Arizona plant. The shipment is expected to arrive on December 6, and Chang will be joined by U.S. Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo. U.S. President Joe Biden may also make an appearance. We invited President Biden, but I'm not sure if he's responded, not sure if he said whether he'll go. TSMC plans to begin mass production of 5 nanometer chips at the Arizona plant in 2024. Reports had said that the plant may also produce 3 nanometer chips in the future. Chang confirmed the reports on Monday. I believe the details have nearly been worked out. That will be the second phase of operations for the Arizona plant. The first phase is 5 nanometer chips and the second phase is 3 nanometers. Despite plans for TSMC's new plant in the U.S. to make more advanced chips, Chang sought to assure the press that Taiwan would continue to be important to the industry's global supply chain.